Hi everyone, we are back with episode 41. I'm so glad you're here. And we have an excellent podcast today. So many truths and, you know, good quotes from this episode. I'm talking with Julie Fenfei-Balzer. She's an artist, instructor, and a coach. And we talked a lot of things about creativity, how to find your style, you know, confidence, and what it is to be a woman being the breadwinner of the house, especially in this field of art. It was a great conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Julie. Julie employs techniques from painting, drawing, collage, printmaking, quilting, and craft to explore visual juxtapositions. As a biracial person, she has always been drawn to explore the places where divergent objects come together to create something new. Her work is graphic, colorful, highly patterned, and expressive. Her business, Bowser Designs, is all about helping people to reach their creativity potential through connecting what makes you special and unique. Her business, Bowser Design, is all about helping you to reach your creative potential through connecting what makes you special and unique. As an instructor, she takes an intellectual and self-analytical approach to art making, empowering the students and clients to create their own unique work. You will learn how to analyze the why and how so that you can get the results you want long after the classes are over. So that's what we talked about and it was um, such a good, good episode. So I hope you're taking notes. I think you, this one you're going to need to listen twice because there is a many truths in this episode. I thank Julie so much for her time here and leaving such a great content for us. So I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you like this podcast and you want to support us, please give a like on Apple Podcast. And that would be great for us. You know, give stars, leave a comment. I would love to see it. You can also, if you enjoy the opposite, you know, buy me a coffee and that will help with the podcast. Everything is going to be on the notes. So enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Artistically You podcast, where mixed media art is a place for all. Here, we are going to talk about art as a mindful practice, connect with our creativity, and embrace curiosity. This is your host, mixed media artist, Jana Oliveira. Julie, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. So appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you because you are kind of like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know Julie such a long time. I mean, no, no, personally, but on the Internet from the time she didn't have kids or she lived in New York and uh, she was just a scrapbooker or doing things like that. To tell the truth, Julie, I don't even remember when I came up to your blog. It was such a long time ago. <laughs> and I think you were in your 30s. And um, mm. so, and I was in my 30s as well because we are, you are younger than me, but kind of the similar spectrum, right? Um, but it was such a long time ago. And, but first, tell people what you do and where are you speaking from? So uh, I live outside of Boston and I am a mixed media artist 
And a big part of my business, Balzer Designs, is really helping other artists to find their voice. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, one of the things about me is that I am always interested in that old adage, right? If you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. So I mm -hmm. think across the classes that I teach, the YouTube videos I do, whatever it is, they're all about like giving you the tools, empowering you to really be your own teacher sort of as you go through so that you can find your own style and learn. I often have people who don't create the kind of art I do or think the art that I make is ugly, which they've even said to my face. Um, but they still, I'm a good teacher for them because I'm teaching ideas mm -hmm. rather than sort of like copy, copy what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited to dive into this. And I'm actually going to post uh, another podcast that you've been on that you talk a little bit more about your backstory back mm -hmm. in the day and you you work with theater um i know that much and um and and we and you know people can learn about your story to where you go but i want to talk about this i want to talk about the amazing things you do because i think they're so important and how yes like i'm so attracted to a and I, I said to you many times that but i don't want to do what you do but the great thing is I learned a ton from you and continue to learn because we do coaching and and um, I have to say I grew up a lot and especially because of boot camp, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But uh, just a little bit of the past is just like I found you because your blog. And at the time, blog was big, right? Blog was like huge. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. And I what? Do you remember what made you think, oh, I'm going to start a blog and this way people start finding you and you, you, you see like, oh, this is working. Like, you know, I would say like everything in my business has been accidental rather than purposeful. That's the story. <laughs> this is the story of how things rolled out. I, I resisted starting a blog for a long, long time because I am not a particularly like public sharer. And I guess the way that I would say that is like no one in my family has a Facebook page. I am the only person I have a business Facebook page, you know, but like we're just not those like public sharers. So everybody was doing blogs and I was like, oh, I don't want to share. I don't want to share. I don't share. And then one day I figured out that you don't actually have to like share everything in your life on a blog, that a blog could actually be about a particular aspect of your life. So I made kind of a rule for myself back in 2006 when I started my blog which is I said, um, if I went to the zoo, I wouldn't share pictures of the visit to the zoo. I would share art that I made inspired by the trip to the zoo. Yes. And that was kind of a really clear line that I set for myself in the sand that really helped me early on when I like kind of wanted to overshare all of a sudden because, you know, you're getting feedback from people and it's exciting. And so then they ask questions and you want to answer their questions. But I had to kind of find a line in the sand for myself. But anyway, the, the shorter answer to your question is, so I really just started as a place because I wanted to share with other people. It wasn't ever going to be a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, a, a place to sort of share thoughts. And I like writing and all that kind of stuff. And then over time, it grew into a real conversation that mm -hmm. I could have, you know, with my um, uh, people out there who were like me, my tribe. Mm -hmm. And I'm showing him the blog. But what amazes me that you say, I was not thinking about being in blog, but you were such a prolific, you know, blogger, because you blog almost every day. 
And there's so much content in this blog and you know, I'm showing the blog right now here and certainly put a link and you can find so much in this blog. And I think what, if I'm not wrong, what I found you about was because of our journal, because you have this column, you know, I think it's every Friday, right? About our journal. And what attracted to me at first to you was your art journal, because I always dreamed that I could have a journal, beautiful and also write every day, which I can never have. I have a journal, but I'm very bad at writing every day. And when I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, we can actually like write in this pretty and artsy thing. And so I started to, you know, follow the, um, you know, the art journal column and, you know, and from there things just scale from that. But um, it's, it's just a lot of content. So I would advise people here, I'm showing that she has a search here and she also has, you know, the tags and everything, but you can find everything that you think about on the blog. <laughs> and you share also other artists, what is inspire you, what, how was like, what happened in the month and in terms of what is happening in your life right now. Yeah, I do. I mean, I try to say like, I think the way I think of myself is I live an artful life, mm -hmm. you know? So art is woven into the fabric of the things that I do. And I do still try to keep that line of pretty much keeping like sharing art first, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then if there's anything personal, it's usually art related or, you know, how, how that has how art has affected my life. I mean, one of the things that I know you and I have talked about, Jenna, and that I really believe is that when you are able to become brave in your art, you can become brave in your life. When you are able to, you know, heal things in your art, you can heal in your life. And I, and you know, I was talking to a client this morning um, and she was mentioning that she has been a person who has always tried to had to like pick up the pieces of mm -hmm. things that have happened and like, you know, hold the, the family together and all that kind of stuff. And Oddly enough, what she likes to do in her art is to like deconstruct and reconstruct things again, mm -hmm. put the pieces back together. And so who we are and the experiences we have are not far away, you know, from the kind of art that we make and are attracted to. And so um, so much of what I'm interested in and uh, hope that I'm teaching people is about knowing yourself actually becomes about um, understanding the art that you want to make. Mm -hmm. And when do you think it happened that you thought, okay, I'm doing this, I'm sharing, but now I want to teach? It also happened accidentally, right? Like, <laughs> I wish that I had had a master plan. Um, but this is one of the things that's so uh, sort of odd. This career sort of happened to me. It was a mm -hmm. hobby, you know. Um, people started asking me to teach and I was making a living at that time as a director and being mm -hmm. a theatrical director is essentially like being a teacher, right? Yeah. You are, you know, helping the actors toward certain ideas. You're breaking things down. You're helping mm -hmm. the playwright, you know, um, hone their script. You're, I mean, there's just a, sort of a lot of stuff like that. And so it, teaching was kind of a natural extension of a lot of the stuff that I was doing anyway. So mm -hmm. when people asked me to teach, I was like, I bet I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and it also requires really a level it. of a level of confidence, right? Because you mm -hmm. had to have confidence that you had the knowledge and then that your work was good. Where do you think that came from? Um, I mean, hubris, first of all. I mean, none of us have good work at the beginning, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think that I think that 
confidence is a funny thing, right? Because confidence is perceived often rather than felt. That's mm. the whole fake it till you make it thing. Mm. And so in the beginning, I needed tools to make me feel confident. I would over prepare for classes. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, PowerPoint slides and I had prepared exercises and I had timed out how long things would take me. And I had, you know, like copious notes. And then over time, you realize, realize that you need less of it because of experience. And I and I think this is true when you're making art, right? When you first start to make art, you buy a color wheel and you refer back to it constantly mm -hmm. and then less and then not at all. And I think teaching is the same thing, right? We all know that there are artists who are great artists and terrible teachers, or there are people who are great teachers and terrible artists. So I don't think that you need to kind of be both. You just need to be the right fit for what it is that people are looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that confidence, and I know this is something you and I talk about a little bit mm -hmm. quite often, um, confidence is a mixture of being prepared mm -hmm. and having some amount of willingness to fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a constant, even if you don't feel like it, you have to keep doing it. And yes. I guarantee that's something that is true because it's been working with me. Um, yeah. And, but sometimes I need some harsh words. <laughs> well, it's the same thing, right? As like, we we all are looking at other people and how other people behave and assuming yes. things about them when we don't actually know what's going on kind of inside. It's the same as like you can look at somebody's life through Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever or their blog and think that they have one kind of life. And then all of a sudden the next week they announce they're getting divorced and you're like, what? This marriage, this guy, this thing that you've been, you know, and, and it's because you don't actually know, mm. right? People are presenting a certain view of their lives. And the same thing is true about you think everybody else is confident or everybody else is selling a painting every single day or everybody else is, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? And the thing is, very little of what you see on the internet is true. Yeah. It's everybody's highlight reel. And sometimes it's just flat out fake, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that if you can take all of that with a grain of salt, then you, uh, you're in a better position, you know, because mm -hmm. you're not letting the comparison sort of eat you away. So something that was really fascinating to me is that in all these years that I follow you, I think your style evolved so much, but at the same time, it's the same. It's the same, I think, in the bold colors, in the shapes, or this kind of impactful art. But evolved because all this that I talked about, it came in different things. It came in faces, then, you know, you did other things, then you decided to do printing, then you do, and now you're doing waving. And so you go through this, I don't know, waves of like, let me try this. Because I think something that I'm really um, fascinated with your work is that you are very curious and you try and different things. And also I think as a teacher, we ha you have to be that because, um, I don't believe, you know, I used to teach Photoshop. So like if I was not curious and watch things and what's coming up on Photoshop or try new things, you just keep, you know, teaching the same thing. And who wants that? And um, so my question would be like in that 
when you were starting to create, and I know you create, you know, your mother always is a big part of this. You know, you said she took you to museums and you have all that kind of experiences. But your art always kept like very bold. Was that something that really attracted you since the beginning? I really subscribe to this um, old Ira Glass chestnut, which is that when you start making art, the reason you're frustrated is because your taste is far superior to your skills mm -hmm. and you can't reach, you know, what your taste is um, because your skills aren't there. So I, I think that for most of us, I mean, I have so many people go in search of what's my style, what's my style, what's my style. And I, I spend a lot of time with people working on their style. And almost always the answer is, you know, it, it's the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You, you've had it with you. You've had the power all along right? Yeah. It isn't a magical thing that you choose. It's sort of always been there. So I think the reason that I have a particular style is because my taste has kind of always been the same. My skill has mm. evolved the formats of, you know, in which I pursue this, but like the aesthetic tastes of the things that I like are the things that I like. Mm -hmm. you know, and they haven't dramatically changed. So whether I'm weaving or doing printmaking or abstract right. painting the same or taste, collage, yeah. same taste. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Now, now I totally get it. Yeah. And where this curiosity comes from? Why are you always emerging with new things? Well, you know, now that I have, I have a two-year-old. <clears throat> and so uh, as I talk to him, as my parents talk to me, I realize, you know, because we all become our parents, whether we want to or not. Yeah. Um, I realized that I think I grew up with a very in a questioning household, right, where mm -hmm. I would ask a question and I would get a question back. Mm -hmm. Or my parents would ask me, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? What are you, you know, how are you going to fix that? And so mm -hmm. and so I think like, A, I grew up in a questioning culture. So that's really important, yeah. you know, because that mm -hmm. makes you curious. But also, I think I was so I dropped. So my son goes to daycare three days a week. And the other morning, um, there's construction going on right across from the daycare. And so he wanted to stop and look at the construction trucks. So we stood at the fence for like 15 minutes watching the construction trucks and kind of talking about them. And so many people whipped behind us, you know, dropping their kids, you know, pulling their kids behind them. Like nobody stopped to look at the construction trucks. And you know, kids love construction trucks. And I went home and I thought about it and I was like, why did I do that? And I was like, A, because I valued uh, his interest mm -hmm. above my time, mm -hmm. right? Mm. And if yeah. you value someone else's interest above your time, then they learn that they can follow their interests. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they're yes. allowed to do that. And so I think, uh, I mean, I, I was there, but I don't remember a lot of it. I think my parents did a lot of that when I was a kid. And so I think that also made me feel comfortable with the idea that curiosity is valuable, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and be pursued. So certainly yeah. all that stuff was there. Um, you know, in my house, and I'm showing here Julie's mm -hmm. amazing Instagram because the color just makes me happy. Um, and I think as we scroll down here, we can see the examples that we are talking about. You have carving, you have printmaking, you have here art journal, collage. Um, you just, you know, had recently, we had in December, Carve December, which is a huge thing. Uh, many people collaborate with that and participate. 
And it's been great also to see him. Uh, but it's amazing what you said, because, um, you know, kids, they have such a curiosity, but also they have that thing that we miss, which is like, I'm just doing for the fun. Yes. Right. Of course, later when they grow up, when they start to get a little sense of more self, they start to do things to see if the mother parent are happy with it, which instinct that thing that am I doing this for you? If we could only be like children, we would right. certainly but suffer I, less. I think, that, I think that you can do it for yourself, which just like I said, I'm valuing his curiosity over my time time what if you valued your own curiosity over your time yes. so instead of thinking like that you had to get something done or finished or the most hated question i ever get online and people ask me this at least once a day is what are you going to do with that yes and i can i could give a 20 minute speech on why that's a problematic question but i will just say that i think that if you value your own curiosity over your time mm you will be a creative person. You will be a person who follows their curiosity. Okay, you have all that, but you take very seriously, not seriously, but you know a lot about design. And there was a moment in your social media, you were talking a lot about it and how you were really deep inside that work to give you more freedom, right? So, and I think that is, that is such a missing thing nowadays because you don't see a lot of artists talking about that, the importance of that, right? They have all these people that maybe want to create like them, but they don't talk about the importance to know these foundations. And I was just editing a podcast to release today when we are recording this with um, Debbie Hodge, which is an old friend of mine that she I met through scrapbooking. And I was actually in her team, but now she has an embroidery um, business and she knows a lot about design because at that time with Getty Scrap she did a lot of books about design, color, contrast to help on the scrapbook pages and and today we don't see a lot of that so we were talking about how actually her background knowing design helped her to put together the embroidery you know things that she does so how how this came to you like I I need you to know, know more about design and this is important to me and I have to spread that out. You know, I think, I think that there has been, I mean, I, this is a sort of a complicated big topic. So let me break it down into a couple of pieces to make it a little more straightforward. Um, so the first thing is the parts of learning that are hard are the technical ones. Yeah. It's like doing calisthenics. It's kind of boring. It's painful. Mm -hmm. You can be really bad at it or not get it. You know what I mean? It, when I offer a three-hour class on color mixing, nobody shows up. If I offer a three-hour class on, you know, um, Jelly making printing. collage paper, yeah. 150 people show up, mm -hmm. you know? And like, the making collage paper is fun and you get a product at the end and it, right. you're just sort of like you're there you're, you're making things and you're having a good time the mm -hmm. color mixing is like you have to think and it's hard and then you end up with this color wheel and then you should bring it home you know to show your family and they're like that's what you did for three hours you know it's not sexy 
But if you ask me, you can take a hundred classes on making collage papers and you will never be a better artist. You know, you need to spend your time in the calisthenics. But the thing is, uh, people don't want to sign up for those classes. Mm -hmm. And so I think like if you want to make a living teaching art, then you teach a lot of what I call the frosting classes. Yeah. It's not how to make the cake. It's not why cakes structurally work. It's not the chemistry of baking. It's not, you know, any of that. It's just let's make some pretty roses for the top of this cake. Because that's the sexy part, right? That's the mm -hmm. part they show in the, you know, TikTok video. That's the part they show in the, you know. And so I get it. We all want frosting. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to make a living, you teach frosting classes. So then that's what people digest. So then that people think that that is making art. So then they don't understand that there's this whole structure underneath. And I think, so that's sort of like that side of it. And then I also think that a lot of people have fear of making art and don't feel creative. And so one of the things that I know as a teacher that I do and other people do is you say, forget about the outcome, forget about the rules, just, you know, have fun and relax. And that's a great way to get people started. The problem is a lot of people then don't take it to the next, next step, step which yeah. is you have to then after you've made the mess and gotten the cathartic out and changed your canvas from white to colorful, like have some sort of tools to pull it back in. And so I think what happened to me is I ended up in a situation where like I would take these classes, these intuitive painting classes or whatever else, and I would like make these things, but I didn't understand why I was doing anything. I couldn't figure out yes. when to stop. I couldn't figure out like it what was good and what was bad. I couldn't, I could I just I didn't know what to do next. I was just making stuff up to do it. And yeah. I was never particularly satisfied with the end result. And I and so I was like, I need some help. And so I am a great uh, believer in uh, teaching yourself. It's obviously uh, the huge methodology behind everything I teach. Ironically, everything I teach is to uh, basically make me lose money. So you need to stop coming to take classes from me because I'm going to teach you how to teach yourself. Uh, but that's the deal. And so I was like, well, let's go back to basics. And so I started a really deep dive into the design elements and principles and really understanding them and then figuring out how that sort of worked out into the work that I wanted to do. And, you know, it's all a process, but I now feel like I, I mean, it's a dangerous thing to say. I feel like I know what I'm doing <laughs> and that feels good. Like I know how to make the next decision in a painting. I understand mm -hmm. why something didn't work. When you I know to analyze that. Yeah. Yes. I can tell you why I like a particular piece of work and I don't like another. And mm -hmm. I can use words that other people can understand. I mean, one of the things when I was a theatrical director that um, we always used to say is that or I always used to say, is that, you know, you can't say, give a note to an actor that was like, that sucks. That was terrible. Because that's not helpful, right? Mm -hmm. That's not helpful in any way. But you can say to them, I didn't, when you were crying, it didn't feel real. And I wonder mm -hmm. if you found a way to connect. More specific, yeah. More, yeah, that you, so that you're giving them something that's actually doable. And so the same thing is true as a teacher, which is I can't say to you, Jana, this painting doesn't work. I have to be like, okay, you know, let's find a language that we can communicate in and say like the proportions are off. If you made this flower larger and this one smaller, I think you'd have a more balanced, yeah. you know, piece. And that's mm -hmm. useful because that's something you can do. And so yes. what design elements and principles do is they give you those words, that language, those tools so that you can fix your work 
so that you can make it whatever it is that you want it to be. And it's interesting because this is the most what people talk about, you know, like on Facebook groups that I am or things like that. And people are like, I just want to learn to do myself. I just want to learn. Yes, there is a percentage of people that they, you know, they just want to have fun. They just want to do that particular project that the person is, is teaching them and that's fine. They are having fun. and But many people want to grow in their art. It doesn't mean particularly they want to sell, but they just want to grow. And I see so many people say, oh, but I don't know. I don't have, I, you know, with me, um, I reached out to you because I was in that point that I was like, that frustration was building up, but it's like, I was tired of like, oh, I thought that class was so interesting because the work seems interesting, right? And you want to learn like, okay, not just how do I get to do like you do, but like, how do you get to, to that maybe that soft kind of acrylics or that blending, right? And when I went to the classes, it's just basically like, this is this particular thing and that's it. And I was like, well, but what if I want to create something else, but use a technique, how... I, I was getting like so frustrated because I was like, no, I don't want to copy what you do. <laughs> Especially for me, I did a lot of like acrylics um, classes because, you know, I have this struggle with acrylics, which is getting better. But I discovered that, you know, if I have a grunge with acrylics, I bought a sketchbook and I just started painting acrylics because I saw that they were not helping me. I remember a long time ago, I went... I used to live in New Jersey. I went to Pennsylvania to do a scrapbooking class. A person very well known, um, and she doesn't do scrapbook anymore. But I went there, so excited, this person. I loved her work. And I went there, we received the materials, and, but then the class was to repeat whatever the design was that she made. And everybody, I think there was like 30 people in the classroom, had the same design. Like everybody shows up, but it's the same thing. It's kind of like this paint and wine classes mm -hmm. that everybody has the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, kind of frustrated, but like I, I travel like two hours to go there. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, I paid all this money. I drove two hours mm -hmm. and I came with something that everybody else did the same. Yeah, and the thing that's so interesting is for some people, that is what they want. Yes, absolutely. And they are mad when they come to class and they don't actually recreate whatever you made. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think, again, like you have a job as a student. This is the same as you have a job as an artist to know what you like and what you don't like. So if what you want is to copy somebody's project, then you should find the teachers who do that. Yeah. If what you want is to copy someone's techniques, then you should find the teacher who do, does that. If what you want is to be, you know, pushed, then you need to find the teacher who does that. I often say like the hardest thing that you will do as an artist is like meet yourself, really look at yourself mm. and say like, 
who am I? What do I want? And I think Mm -hmm. like once you start to think about those questions and you have a better sense of like what your learning style is, who would be a good teacher for you, who, you know what I mean, what kinds of colors you're attracted to. I mean, all of it comes from knowing who you are. Yeah, so amazing because it makes me remember the first coaching session that we had. It was really like, man, I deserve that. (laughs) We're so like, okay, I deserve to listen to that. But you asked me that and it was just like, what? Why are you asking me this? Why I paid for this? (laughs) It was tough. It was really hard. It was tough. I'm not saying that first session was really hard. It's hard. And like, I I think like that's the thing that happens again and again for people, which is it, you think that you can be separate from the work you put out. But I mean, the job of an artist Mm -hmm. is to take the world, to take everything that comes at you and to basically like filter it through yourself, to synthesize it into something new so that people have a new perspective of, you know, what you're seeing. And I think that what so often happens is that we, we, don't mm-hmm. take that step. Do you know what I mean? Of putting mm-hmm. it through ourselves. And so then what we make doesn't sort of have significance or it doesn't feel fresh or it doesn't have a point of view. Mm. And all of that is because you're scared of putting it through the filter yes. that is you. You yes. are unique and wonderful and fabulous. And the history of everything that has happened to you has made you uniquely you. And it's not something to hide from, you know? Well, I think also is a thing, even not if we take art aside, you know, I, I do therapy with someone every week and it is hard to confront the questions. Sometimes she has questions to me and I'm like, huh, I didn't think about that. And then I'm like, wow, some questions are, some questions made me cry because you know what you have to confront, right? This is in all, I think, our life. And that's why Mm -hmm. actually we'd go talk to someone and I think everybody should, but it's just like, because that person make questions of sides of you that you don't know. It's the same, I think, why it's important to have coaching and we're going to talk about the coaching a little bit. I just want to show here, I'm showing here your YouTube and I think this is a clear example while we are talking because um, in your YouTube you have skin cut, then you have, you know, the stencils because you are also a stencil designer and and you have, you know, jelly print. So what, what it shows here is that we can get better in all kinds of things and we can do all kinds of things that are related to what we want, what we want. If I want to, you know, play with colors and values, I can choose to do that in any kind of aspect. It doesn't have to do just painting. It can be weaving. It can be printmaking. It can be, you know, doing all kinds of things, you know, with the jelly plate and layers and stenciling. You can do values with stenciling so it's 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 a kind of a that all-rounded thing that goes back to what you said it's about what we want right Mm -hmm. so so when you thought about okay i'm teaching i have all these wonderful followers and i know there's a lot of people that follow you like me that follow you for a long time and you thought okay I feel that I need to help these people more. I I need to go deeper. I need to go one-on-one with them and help them to kind of don't get stuck. Where do you think like, okay, I want to do coaching? Because, you know, coaching is not for everyone. It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of 
are very intimate things. You talk about hard stuff and, um, but you said, no, I don't want to do just classes and help, you know, the majority of people. I want to go like deep inside of what people really want and help them. Well, you know, a lot of it came out of I was getting questions from people that were too big to kind of, it's too big for an email. It sort of can't really dive into it in a class setting with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you need that sort of one-on-one thing happening. And uh, so that that's kind of where that all came from is that I couldn't figure out how to deal with these questions that came up that were too big, mm. you know? And so coaching is the perfect place to do that because you really, you know, you get an hour of time, which is really just a hundred percent about you with, you know, very personalized homework with, you know, thinking about whatever your particular problems are. Um, and I do think that I enjoy the group coaching too, which I know you participate yeah. in as well, because I think there is also value, of course, in like, um, I have one particular point of view and I'm not shy about that. I have strong opinions, you know, about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there's a group, the thing that's nice is there's there's more varied opinions. So we're still diving deep into something. We're still particularly yeah. talking about you, but now you have multiple points of view as opposed to just a single one. So I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, too. and what Julie's talking about is that because she has a monthly membership, which is, you know, if you are in the higher level, we have a group coaching um, and she does a live stream every month or if you're in the basic level, which is I still, I mean, $5.99. And she also does studio vlog and her, you know, vlogs of her life as well, how her week goes, because it was very famous on YouTube and now you have them on the membership. And I think by the comments, I think people wait for this home. I know I wait for, especially for the vlog, for the studio, but it's so nice to also see your life. You go with more, you know, with more intimate stuff for the members that pay that. And yeah, and I agree in the monthly uh, live group coaching, I make my effort to be there every time. And it's just so wonderful to be with other ladies and discuss that because it's, Sometimes you have, people don't see, sometimes you have ladies like, to me it's wonderful. And she's like, I don't know. And and also to see what they're exploring. I love that because when you are with the same people, sometimes I'm like, wow, it's so great that she's exploring and wanna grow and doing that. And it's, it's just amazing. But what have you been learning from this um, coach? And while Julie talks, I'm gonna show here the classes that she has. So, you know, uh, one of the things that is interesting is coaching is different than teaching. Yes. Which which should be obvious, but Mm -hmm. coaching is very different than teaching. So it's, it's a different set of skills. Yes. Um, And so this is going to sound so weird, but like one of the things that has been um, sort of a steeper learning curve for me about coaching is how to take notes. Mm. Because I want to be very present with the person. So I want to like look at them. But on the other hand, like I need to make notes for myself to be able to remember and to like do some thinking about like what kind of homework would be good or how I can sort of help them. And so sort of trying to balance out like eye contact versus scribbling, 
you know what I mean, is kind of has been an interesting thing. And then just also like how I keep the notes. And I've gone back and forth from like a notebook to loose papers, you know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes one of the things that happens is like, I'll see something, Janet, and it reminds me of you. Or like, I have a client who's working on a particular project. And every now Mm -hmm. and then something comes up in my Instagram feed where I'm like, I need to send this picture to her, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so trying to figure out how to like, to keep the notes for that kind mm-hmm. of sort of ongoing yeah. one-on-one coaching has been a really um, steep learning curve. I it's, think I'm better at it than I was. It's kind of like when you go to physical therapy and sometimes it got me annoyed when I would go to physical therapy and they spend most of time writing because they do have to write notes for the insurance than being with you. And I have other physical therapists that they would not write anything at all while with me and after you know, how you do your notes and say, oh, I, after you go, I already have on my schedule 10 minutes and I do that. Or sometimes while I'm doing an exercise, they would be there on the computer, but always when I finished, they were present with me. So it is a, it, and, and they always said to me that it is a, it is a curve uh, to, to learn how to do that. And f- from that, I think came boot camp. And I wanted so much to talk about boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go here at bootcamp. Bootcamp bootcamp really was and is probably my favorite thing that I do every year. And I think it's because everybody in class has like a a I don't know, a breakthrough, a moment like It's and it's a really sustained period of time. You know, the class is really small. It's just 10 people. Mm -hmm. So you really get to know everybody and and know everybody's style. And so it it has been probably one of my favorite teaching experiences of all time. Mm -hmm. Well, let me brag about bootcamp because you won't. (laughs) So I don't know. It seems... For people on my podcast, I already talk about bootcamp. They may probably sick and tired of it. But now that I'm with you, the creator of bootcamp, I can say that bootcamp was transformational. And I wished I had made before because it would save me so much money. So much money. <laughs> so much money, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Um, and we'll put this note here. As you said, not everybody wants to go to that route. But we are talking here now about something that when people want to go forward, then when they want to do deep work. And when I was doing the first bootcamp, I think I was posting on social media, I was posting, I would make sure to say to everybody, this is not a class. I don't, I I didn't see at that time and I don't see because I am going to the number two. And I don't see it as a class. I don't even know what you call it. I know it's called bootcamp. But so people could understand when I was posting, I was like, this is not a class. It's not about teaching me. I mean, it taught me, but it's not like, Jana, paint like this, right? Because what is fabulous is that we have 10 people and they were all different. They're all different. And it's, it was just, I... I don't have words to explain. It was amazing because not just you went deep inside of design, right? It is the way you do it, the discussions that we have with other people. I think that two times a week that we meet and we have that profound 
discussions about our homework because yes we have very hard I want to go and hide homework but when we commit to do it and not everybody that does boot camp do it mm-hmm. but when we commit to do it and then when we see what other people did it I think that's what grew me more you kind of like oh okay I was like hitting my head so much of this homework. Ah, right? And then you go there and do again, maybe lighter, or maybe like, okay, let me just, you know, don't take this so seriously. And I have to say, some parts were emotional. I had a hard moment that I cried and it was like, wow, you know? So I left the first boot camp with this sense of, I can do this, but not because, yes, you can do it, do it every day, blah, blah, blah. I can do this, but if I put work on it mm-hmm. and I now have a set of things to help me and I became this nuts about design because I was like, this can help me. And I still make exercise, as you know this, and I'm still like trying to work on it and learn more. But not because other people, but not because that's the thing of bootcamp is for you. Because I want my art to go to the level that I know I want. Not every other people, but I know I want. So I think that that's what it makes you like, okay, let me create this. And what, what do you see? Because you get to do this every year and see these amazing reactions or growth, Mm -hmm. you know, how is it? Because it's like, I have to ask Julie, must you, because you are on the other side. Yeah, it's super exciting. And I will say that every year, like I get, I get better at it too. You know, every year, you know, the first year when somebody asked me a question, let's say about like saturation versus value or something. And I had kind of like a weird answer and then the second year i was like very clear on what the difference is between saturation and value and then the third year do you know what i mean i've got a chart about saturation and value and like (laughs) so you know what i mean it's like i get better at all this stuff along the way too which is a wonderful benefit but i mean i will also say this which is the first thing i say at boot camp is also the last thing that i say to people i don't know if you know that but on the first day i say to everybody you know i'm not your mother and i don't care whether or not you do the homework If you don't do the homework, you will Mm -hmm. not get as much out of the class. If you do do the homework, then you will get more out of the class. And then people say, how long should I spend on the homework? And I say, the amount of time you spend on the homework is how much you will get out of the class. If you spend six hours on it, you'll get more. And that's the thing about bootcamp, right? And that's the thing about bootcamp. What what is amazing, the way you create it is, it's solely related on your work. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do the homeworks, it's hard to participate in bootcamp. It's hard mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah, it is. It's a serious commitment of five weeks where you really just have to be doing this. Like it is, it's there. And like, I will also say, so then the last thing I say at the end of boot camp is I say, I, you know, I give you guys the exercise on limited compositions and stuff and talking about this. And, and the thing that I say is now either you will keep up with this work and you will improve or class is over and you won't keep up with the work and you won't improve. And yes. that's your choice. But that is, again, about like you have to do the work. There's that old quote that I often quote that I've always loved, which is so many people um, miss opportunity because it comes disguised in overalls looking like work. Mm. 
So just like, I mean, listen, I would love to have an amazing body and flaunt it around in a bikini and the whole thing, but I don't want to do the work. I don't want to like eat the food and do the exercise and do all that stuff to get there. Everybody who has a great body like that has done the work. And I say more, you know, hooray for you. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. You look amazing. You have done the work. You deserve that. And I think the thing where we get mad or jealous or upset is when it appears that people haven't done the work mm, and they just magically yes, show up. They just yes. magically have this great body and these amazing abs and this fantastic, you know what I mean? And yes. so the same thing is true with It's art. genetics. It's genetics. Yeah. And there is some of that, the same mm-hmm. as like, there is true of some art, some but people But you still have, have to work. Better, like, you know, genetics is not going to build your muscle. You still have to work. It's true. So, so the thing is like, I'm willing to do the work for the art. I'm willing to do that. And I do that work every day. I do my art calisthenics. I do my art exercises. I open my sketchbook every day. I, you know, think about things every day and it's not always fun, but I'm there for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's that uh, in another old chestnut, which is also true, which is don't complain that you're not getting the results if you don't do the work. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is potentially why I'm not the right teacher for everyone. I think I'm very encouraging. I think I'm very positive, but I also think I'm very realistic about yes. either you're doing the work or you're not. Yes. I I am testimony of this. <laughs> um, it is so amazing because it is so true. I think what you're talking about is what bootcamp opened my eyes to because we know that is design or how to learn design big classes out there um but it is a different style you have modules and then you have to listen a class about what is contrast and i i will tell the truth i came to boot camp thinking it was going to be like that And when you lay out things in the first meeting, I was like, what? (laughs) And don't take me wrong here if you're listening. Julie does go with us and teach us things. But I I really don't want to say anything more than that. I want to leave people curious because I so believe that people that want to grow, if you're listening to this. And listen, I don't think boot camp is just for painters. Do you think so, Julie? I don't think so. And yeah, we've had all kinds of people in class who do right. very different things. Yeah, I think that boot camp is for you that, like me, got frustrated with all these classes that took you nowhere, right? But at the same time, it kicked my butt because I realized, well, I have to be very frustrated at times of my art and I have to be very upset and it, that's just the road of it. And not everybody wants to go through that road to be upset all the time, right? Yeah, you have to make a lot of ugly stuff if you're not making a yeah. So, okay, let's go back to the theater for a second. There, um, There's a wonderful ex- experimental theater company called The City Company run by a woman named Ann Bogart. And I once went to a talk that she gave and she said that you have a choice when you're the artistic director of a company, which is you can make sort of 10 mediocre things that are like fine and enjoyable, you know what I mean? But nobody hates it. 
or you can make one amazing life-changing like just like rocket kind of just uh, mind-blowing thing and and nine really crappy ones that people hate mm -hmm. because that choice is either to always sort of just like do what's safe or the choice is to try things, to experiment, to, you know, do something that might blow up. And one time out of 10, it's amazing. But nine times out of 10, it's crappy. And so she was saying that one of the lucky things about the city company, because they're privately funded, is that they could do that. Mm -hmm. They could take those risks and have the flops because they didn't need the box office and the grants and the da da da, -da all that kind of stuff. And so I think, like, that also comes down to, like, if you have... Like if you have to sell every painting that you create, then everything's going to be kind of mediocre because you're always mm -hmm. doing what's safe, what you know is going to sell. Yeah. But if you're experimenting and you're trying and it's not about selling the work and it's about growing, then you're going to have some brilliant work and a lot of really crappy work. But it's like you mm -hmm. have so much crappy work within you. Just get it out so you can get to the good ones. Yeah. And because we from Bootcamp annoy Julie so much asking for a second one, <laughs> She did a second level one that is going to start and I can't wait already separated my calendar and it's sold out, right? It's sold out. Mm -hmm. And you release bootcamp every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if people uh, really want to know what bootcamp is about when it's live and Julie always does before bootcamp is, you know, when it's about to open or when it opens, she does a free kind of a webinar explaining to you and have some free videos about it. So I would go to her website and sign up for her newsletter. And uh, which also is very nice newsletter that she sends. And I also follow her blog through the newsletter I sign up to receive by mail. So don't think that you have to go and you know, you can read all the blog posts uh, through your email. But what is it about give a peek about design bootcamp too. What, so after all this work, what people mm -hmm. expect, you know, by the way, you can just do bootcamp too if you were part of bootcamp one, right? Mm -hmm. right. So what bootcamp two is about? So, you know, I had I'm afraid, a lot, I'm afraid. I'm a little afraid. I had afraid. a lot of different classes that I wanted to teach because I was thinking like, once you have this knowledge from bootcamp one, there are a whole host of different things that you could do. So then I started to think about what are the questions that I have most often gotten from people? You know, what are the things and the skills or, and what are the things that I've done that have been sort of the most helpful to me? And so I came up with this idea, which I think is awesome. So Bootcamp 2 is called Steal Like an Artist. Yeah. And it's all about learning how to break down other people's work and steal mm -hmm. parts of it for yourself. Now we are talking about very ethical stealing in which we're not actually like copying people's work and passing it off as our own, but it's like understanding that let's say, let's say you picked Monet as someone that you admire. Mm -hmm. Understanding like I do. what is it about Monet that you like? Is it yes. his color palette? Is it his use of brush strokes? Is it his composition? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, like really, really figuring out what you like and then figuring out how you can repurpose and again it's that synthesizing it through that you filter that's so key mm -hmm. to this so we're going to be doing a lot of work in figuring out how you you know interact and change the chemistry of what you're taking in mm. i'm afraid already of the homeworks <laughs> oh yeah it's gonna be epic yeah and everybody that does home uh, boot camp is like oh the homework <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's always like at the end when she's gonna say, okay, and this is what for your homework. And everybody in the Zoom is like, mm. <laughs> what is she gonna make us do? <laughs> I'm the one that I'm very dramatic. I'm like, eh. <laughs> so because I do have that fear first when you say I'm like, I have that fear. But when you sit and go do it, you kind of like, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, because the homework seems intimidating because the purpose of every homework assignment, the way that I construct the assignments is to force you to learn the idea. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary because you are having to like, not just like intellectually read about something or hear about it and kind of get it, you're having to physically manifest how, how that rule actually plays out within your mm-hmm. art. And that is scary and hard. Yeah, it's very. So people, I would highly recommend if you do want to grow, please, please, please take a look at Bootcamp, sign up for the waiting list. And I tell you, it's worth every single penny, every single one. Thanks, Jana. And to finish here, um, Something that it touched me a lot because you say that, you know, when we have the members um, monthly video or when you were doing a live video on Instagram, whatever, um, YouTube, you always say, thanks for supporting me. Thanks for coming. You know, I am the sole breadwinner of my house. Mm-hmm. And always when you say that, I'm like, kind of, yes. Because as women, we are, you know, it's not many of us, of you that are the, so we still have that patriarchal kind of in society, that man that is the one. But when you kind of see in your family that you have to do the things that you have to do in order for each one of you guys to accomplish what they want to accomplish, in your case, your husband's studying, right? So mm-hmm. why... Do you like to say that and remind people? Because I think it's so important because also I think we have to support women. I try to buy from small businesses, from women and, you know, even for clothing or things like that. And why do you think that is important? I can think there are a couple of things. I mean, one, I think that there is a resistance by many people to pay for content. There's yes. the idea that everything should be free and that people, it you know, shouldn't have to pay for it. And, and the fact is, just like you have to pay a doctor to go mm-hmm. and see them or you have to, you know, pay a restaurant when you eat their food, somebody is doing the work to create this content. The other thing is there are so many incredibly talented, amazing people out there who are making content for free because they don't need to make money at it, Mm -hmm. because they have a day job that, you know, allows them to do it, because they have a partner who supports them, because, 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 because. And I know this because I was in that position many years ago with my ex-husband, you know, where he made the money and I didn't really have to make any money. So I was able to do tons and tons and tons of free stuff constantly and not worry about it. And you know, for me, I think it's important for people to know, like, the reason my prices are what they are is because I, this is my job. It's not a Mm -hmm. hobby, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I try in a very non-aggressive way, people who can't pay or don't want to, that's fine. But, you know, for people who can, um, it makes a big difference in our lives, that Mm $5.99 a month for membership, you know, or anything else. And and I will say, like, I think that um, being 
the breadwinner as a woman, especially in this kind of job, is very unusual. I remember when I was, um, people often say to me some version of, oh, and you make a living at that? Yes. Which I'm always like, okay, thank you. You know, (laughs) and I think, you know, there are other times when like I've had people, there was a woman who was interested in private coaching and she said, um, can we get on Zoom to see if we're a good fit? And I said, no, we, I'm happy to answer any specific questions that you have. I welcome you to check out any of my hundreds of free videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to have you come to the group coaching or a membership thing, but no. Um, and she was kind of persistent about it. And I basically said, you know, I'm a professional, this is my job. Do you think that if you said to the doctor or the dentist or a therapist, I'd like to have a half an hour session with you for free just to see if we're a good fit. I'd like you to give me a haircut for free to see if I like you, that they would do it. No, every single one of those professionals would say no, and this is no different. So, uh, you know, I give away a ton of free content. Yes, (laughs) that's true, there's a YouTube here. Yeah, you know, the and blog. There's, there's tons and tons of free stuff for people who can't or or won't pay. But I do think that it is important to remind people that this is your job and you make a living off of it. And if they want to help support you, mm-hmm. you know, not that you're a charity, but to get something in return, then they can. Yeah, I thought it was important for me personally to have this question because it is, you know, women have to be more proud that they are the breadwinner and they are doing this as a job and they are you know, working, you know, because sometimes we are kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I oh, sell. Yeah. yeah. So um, th- that was important to me. So Julie, what's coming up for you? Do you have any new class coming up or? So here's my exciting and sexy story, which is <laughs> I'm taking a little bit of a break right now. Oh, good for you. I know. So I have boot camp two coming up in like a month. And then and you just December, finished the- one. Or is I just finished it one. Okay. Just finished one, and then uh, the Carb December class. Uh, there'll be a new version of it this December, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. But my plan, if I can, st- I keep wanting to teach classes, and Steve, my partner, keeps being like, "Stop it! You said you're going to take some time off." So theoretically, I'm not going to teach any classes between now and December, other than boot camp two. But we'll see. In the meantime, well, I'm still blogging. I still have my YouTube channel is new yes. video every week. And- you know. As you saw before that I showed here on video, she has plenty of classes for you to try. Mm-hmm. Also, if you go to the membership on the 599 level, it's a, v- a new video every month. But what I like is that you can ask questions and Julie will answer and demo. And But there's all kinds of questions every month. So sometimes when you don't have questions, you demo things. So I think it's very worth the price. Uh, to do that and as i said it it helps also no we we have to support women we have to support women especially in these times times are crazy things are so expensive right now um so but i'm good that you're taking a break because you are so prolific (laughs) i know i i I have to say like i'm i was feeling a little bit like it was just a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. i think the year of gelatin printing class which has more than 200 videos was just that really like was a lot of content. That was a long class. Yeah, and I also want to remind people that the gelatin uh, class, you can also buy the classes, uh, you know, separated, right? You don't need to buy the whole thing, so you can uh, check that out. Mm -hmm. 
Julie, I'm so honored that you came here to talk to me. It, it means a lot. Um, I really admire a lot of your work and I so appreciate the work you have been doing with me and I've seen amazing growth on my art thanks to your work with me and I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jenna. I appreciate you. You're always so enthusiastic, so hardworking, you know, so interested, so curious. And, I, and that is always a wonderful thing as a teacher, too. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you listening to the podcast all the way here to the end. And I would like to thank you so much and to help us spread the word about the podcast. You can share on Instagram and tag me. I would love to share as well and take a screenshot and tell me what you're doing while you're listening to the podcast or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate if you could do that. It really helps spread the word about the podcast. I will talk to you on the next episode.